You're listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast. And now your hosts, Josh Furlong and Robert Jackson. Welcome back to another edition of the Utah Checkdown Podcast. I'm Josh Furlong, and I'm joined with co-host Robert Jackson. We have a special guest today who is going to start joining us. Uh, we, we teased it a little bit last time, uh, but we've got wide receiver Solomon Enos from the University of Utah here joining with us. Solomon, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. We're happy to, to have some uh, insight into the Utah football program. I, I hardly count as somebody that covers you guys, so... Uh, we'll, we'll get somebody that actually knows what they're talking about. I, 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 I think we brought some good luck to you too. We, we made the announcement last week that uh, we were going to bring you on the pod and over the weekend, you got your first touchdown of the season. How, I mean, that's gotta be like a good luck charm for the show, right? Like good luck going forward for this or, you know, no, I, know. I mean, I mean, we got something to finally talk about, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about your blocking if you really want to. Oh uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Let's just say this. So if we're going to continue off this past game, I thought it was a good win. Uh, definitely needed it. Uh, it was definitely a test of our physicality as a team. And uh, I think we responded very well. Obviously, it was a slow start, um, which we have to eliminate. I mean, it's nothing that's deadly, but can be deadly. Uh, yeah, I think the team played overall really well. And it was great getting in the end zone. And uh, what did have me bugging this morning, though, after film was my run blocking, like, which is totally out of character for me. I didn't think it was up to par how I usually am. Uh, so, yeah, it was good to get a touchdown, but going in and leaving film, I was kind of like, uh, like it didn't sit right with me. You know, I was still kind of bothered by it, but that's something, you know, I can improve upon this week and, you know, hopefully get things rolling in a positive way like they've been going the past two weeks now. How you, mentioned the, you mentioned the run blocking, that uh, that block that you had to set up that Makai Bernard touchdown in the uh, Florida game where you not only took the guy down, he started to get back up, you took him down again. Like that, that is one of your physical traits. I mean, that is what you are known for at the university. You, anytime that you're lined up against somebody, you're going to make sure that they get hit and do a really nice job run blocking. So, I mean, that's kind of like your signature um, in the run game. And that's kind of Utah's, you know, physicality is kind of what uh utah's known for and so for you to be able to do that has been pretty awesome no i appreciate that i think it's just like with run blocking like i don't know like you said i just like dominating the person in front of me it's nothing personal no hard feelings nothing like that i think just how i was raised and how i got into football and you know progressing from there like i i just i genuinely like i just love it and especially like plays like that when you see how much effect you have on the play and then makai scored like that's just a better feeling than you go celebrate with him in the end zone. I don't know. I that's stuff like that gets me fired up. And, you know, even though it's the dirty work, like I, you know, what really gets me going though, O lineman gets me fired up. O block. I tell them for every game, y'all get me fired up. Cause I see them <laughs> pancake moving people. Like that gets me going as well. So I don't know. I just, I just love doing it. But when you got into this game, you know, and you wanted to be a receiver or whatever that was, did you, did you expect it to be this physical? Did you want it to be that physical? Or what was, what was kind of your uh, impression of what that was going to be? Honestly, so I started, I was playing mainly defense and running back when I was coming up through my young age, going into high school. And then when I started playing receiver, it was kind of like, it was different. It wasn't at like every play, you didn't have to be as physical. So I was like, screw it. Why don't I, why, why don't I be consistently physical every play? Because it'll make my job easier as the game goes on. So 
throughout high school, I love doing it. I just, I love beating people up. Like I, I try my best. And uh, I mean, I always get caught once in a while. I mean, there's other people that are good at football too. And they have the same mindset as me, but you know, every play, I just try to, you know, have that same mindset. And I know that it's, I think what really gets me in tune with it is that it's for the bigger picture of the team. That if I do my one-on-one and do it at a high level that nobody expects me to do. And like, I can surprise everyone doing it. I think that's like the most rewarding feeling. Obviously everybody wants to see you get the ball more. You know, you've been here in the system. You've, you've, you've stayed, right? I think a lot of people could have looked at you and said, look, he's not getting enough touches. He's going to transfer. You know, there's a lot of suitors out there. Um, it's real easy for players to, to leave the systems right now. What, what was it that made you really want to kind of stay and kind of work this out knowing that it is about that system, the team, right? Yeah, I think mainly the biggest thing, I, the, the biggest reason why I didn't want to leave is the guys in the locker room. I think, you know, just, you know, I mean, I'm with them every day and just the relationships I've built and, you know, the genuine love that's in that locker room. I think that's, you know, impacted me the most. And my, my second thing was, the biggest thing was I, I kept hearing from the outside that, oh, you should transfer, you should do this, you should do that. Um, but, you know, I felt... I was always raised to never quit. And it's not in a sense, I guess nowadays with transferring and stuff, it's not quitting. It's, it's finding a place like realigning what you want to do and how you're going to do it. But, you know, I felt like, I feel like I would, I would be quitting. I feel like I'd be quitting on the team. I'd feel like I'd be quitting on the guys. So I, I kind of took this mentality that, you know, I want to finish what I started, but I, I know I'm going to do everything I can in my powers. So I don't have any regrets looking back. You know, because I can only do so much. I can only control so much. Um, and I think that's just the mental approach I've had. And I think it's paying off. You know, I love the guys in the locker room and I love the University of Utah and the fans. I think the biggest one of the, if not number one, is the fans 100%. You know, I, I really don't, not disrespectfully, but, you know, a lot of places fans will be with you when the highs are highs and they'll bash you when you're at the lowest. But, you know, I feel like consistently through Utah, well, my time being here, I feel like the fans have always been there. You know, I'm not really a big social media guy, but I felt I still feel the presence no matter what. And they make sure that I don't feel crazy when stuff's going on. So uh, I think that those are the biggest reasons why I just keep pushing forward and waking up every day and going to practice and trying to get better. It's kind of like the Utah mentality. They, they say next man up, but in, in your position where you're coming out and having to, to basically block for really good running backs, a legacy of good ones that have played for Utah since you've been there in 2018. Um, but then you finally get your shot, you know, and to, to score. So, you know, going back to the, the, the game last week, it was kind of your first down. It was, I think it was third and five. It was early on in the second quarter. It kind of changed the tide of the game. You, you caught it. It was a nice little out route from cam and you broke a tackle, took it for 15 yards. That kind of changed the momentum of the game. I, like how rewarding is it to finally get that opportunity when, like we, we hear all fall camp, like, Hey, we're trying to get the receivers more involved. And once we do, it's going to be awesome. And we didn't really see it in game one. We didn't really see it in game two. And then finally in game three, we kind of see the, the beginning, hopefully the, just the beginning of what this offense can really be when you have so many weapons. I mean, that's gotta be like a, just a huge reward for you to kind of know that, yes, I put in the investment, I put in the work, but I was ready when my, when my number was called and we, we, we kind of got the result we wanted. Yeah, def it's definitely rewarding. And, you know, um, I think for the whole room, it's it's a step forward. Um, I would say just, you know, learning from this is just like leading up to this moment, 
you know, I'm just going to keep doing the same thing I've been doing. I know Vele is going to be the same way. I think we're not really going to change much. And, you know, having one good game doesn't really change anything. Yeah, it's a good step in the right direction, but week to week things change, you know, and, you know, you just got to embrace your role and, uh, and, you know, be the best at the job that you're given. But, you know, the whole receiver room, we're working, waiting for the opportunity. We're going to make the plays when we need to. And, you know, I, you know, I have confidence in my guys. I have confidence in myself that we'll make those plays and we'll get the job done. You guys obviously have a really deep room all throughout the offense, right? Running backs, you guys, and up until Chris Curry got injured, you had four really talented running backs. You've got talent at the wide receiver room. You've got talent, you know, on the offensive line, talent at tight ends. Is that easier to kind of stomach sometimes when you don't get the ball, knowing that, you know, Brant's going to do his thing and Dalton's going to do his thing, Vele's going to do his thing? Obviously, you want the rock, but you want to be able to, like, be efficient in however you do it. Does does that give you motivation to kind of keep with the system? Oh, definitely. I mean, I mean, in our offense, we have stuff, we have routes that open up other routes, you know, and it's just, it's all concepts and it's all, you know, like I said, that's why when I, I always emphasize, know your role and be the best at your job. Uh, you can always go back to the example of like when I was growing up, my parents were always like, I don't care what job you have. If you're a janitor, you're going to be the best damn janitor in the world. You know, and I think, you know, coming in with that mindset, I think that pays dividends, you know, beyond anything. You know, I think, especially in a game where it's like, we know we have great tight ends. If we could just bully people with the tight ends, go ahead. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, and and I love the tight ends. That's why I'm I have no no worries with it. But when we have to step up and make those plays, we're going to be ready for it as well. That's why I think we have such a dynamic offense. And, you know, hopefully we keep having, well, not having to, but we keep having the opportunity to spread the ball around. Um, but, I mean, if we have a game where we're giving Tavion Thomas, Makai Bernard, Charlie Vincent the ball 30 times and they're just running up the score, why, why would you take their money away? You know what I'm saying? So if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's my mentality. I like it. I think it's I think it's effective, right? And I think that probably fits what Andy Ludwig does, right? I mean, I think he he very much so goes with the hot hand and tries to do it. But uh, I you know I want to get into some of the game stuff. Obviously, we we have a little bit here. Um, but first off, I just I just want to know what you what the experience was like for you. Just go to Florida. I mean, you had the Rose Bowl. That was kind of where you were at. Cool to see ninety thousand people cheering your name, especially with a pro Utah crowd. But now you go into the swamp. This was obviously building forever. Just what was that experience like building up to the, that and just being able to play there? Obviously, it didn't come out the way that you guys wanted to, but uh, what, what was just that experience like for you guys? I loved it. Um, I think the, the stadium the environment, everything, I just loved it because, I mean, we were, we were in that indoor for about, I think, two weeks with that humidity cranked up and the heater turned on. And finally getting down there and, and realizing that it was nothing near what we practiced in, I, I was like, oh, I love it. The crowd was insane. The venue was insane. I thought it, you know, obviously it didn't turn our way, but I always love dog fights. You know, I think we always got to play up to our standard, but I always love dog fights because, you know, it's just whoever's going to come out on top, you know, and I think obviously wish we get that one back, but life moves on. But yeah, I, I love the venue. I loved, I loved everything about it. What would you guys think about it? What? Because my favorite game overall, though, I'll bring this into it since it's a podcast, not really an interview. I don't think anything will top the Pac-12 championship for me. I, I have to say that Allegiant Stadium has to be one of the coolest venues. I mean, I've you've you've obviously been to Levi Stadium with the championships there, and, and I felt like that's a fine stadium, but it feels. I mean, it's in an industrial park, right? Like, there's nothing really around it that mm-hmm. doesn't really feel a good vibe there. Not not that it's a bad environment. 
but it just didn't feel the same. You go to Allegiant, and and I have to imagine for you guys, just coming out onto that field and seeing it, just, uh, you know, a pro Utah crowd, obviously, but just that kind of that echo and the, the, the cheers. For me, like, that was really mm-hmm. cool to be able to see. So I, I, I'd have to imagine that's probably got to be up there for you. Definitely. What do you think, Rob? What's your opinion? Yeah, I, I'm a sucker for tradition. So I would say the Rose Bowl that you guys played in was, oh. was pretty awesome. I mean, the, the, the pageantry that goes on along with it. And then you combine it with like the year before the Rose Bowl was played in like Texas. And so it was just kind mm. of like returning to Pasadena after COVID and everything. And just, you know, playing up against a brand name like Ohio State. Um, it really was like a... I don't know. Like <laughs> for me, I, you know, I've been a lifelong Utah fan. So it was like one of those like pinnacle moments for me just to be able to watch that. And um, I, I can't even imagine what that was like as a player on the field um, suiting up and then having as much fun and scoring as many points as you guys did. It seems like you guys um, were able to score. Well, you can make the argument, you know, if Cam doesn't get hurt, you know, what happens, you know, in the last yeah. you know, five, ten, five, ten minutes of that game, but mm-hmm. could have, it is what it is, but yeah, that's a, I mean, those, that three game stretch where you played Oregon in the championship game, you played Ohio state in the Rose bowl and you open up the season against Florida. I mean, that's, that's something right there. Yeah. And I would just say for anyone listening to this, those last three games that Rob brought up, there were so many fans at the game and we love the fans that can't travel. We understand, but they're watching from home. We appreciate that. But the the fans that do travel, I just want to say out of the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it. I think that makes the environment 20 times better, especially in the Rose Bowl, especially in the Pectel Championship and in Florida. Yeah, Florida was sold out with 90,000 fans in Gainesville, but, you know, we saw fans there. And, I, you know, I, I think it's the fans that help make that venue even more better. So just want to add that in there. Of, of those three games, you, you said the championship, right? But was that your favorite venue slash game all around? Or was it just what, what was maybe... What what topped it, I guess? Yeah, I think overall it was just a championship game. Just from, like, being there, seeing the fans, the venue, winning it, having the confetti drop, stuff like that. Like, overall, I think it was that's the game. But if I'm picking between Rose Bowl and Florida, Rose Bowl 100%. Like, I've never seen a crowd, like, just fans so into the game. Like, because usually, like, when you go to UCLA, like, you're playing against UCLA and they have their fans, but, like... Are there fans? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> they don't have any anymore. <laughs> hey. Uh, have you seen screenshots <laughs> in the last... The, their last three home games, there's been, like, maybe, like, 2,000 people. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can make the argument that maybe they meet, need to move to a smaller stadium uh, that's on campus or something. But, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, Kind of crazy. I, I think Troy Aikman even mentioned it in the NFL broadcast yesterday too. So kind of funny that, that they can't, uh, that is a big stadium. Obviously it'd be hard to fill it, even if your team was doing really well. So, right. And then, you know, and then you go to the Rose bowl and then it's just people are standing crowded shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. But if we're talking about fans, that's why a big reason I came to Utah. Cause I mean, that thing's filled up damn near every game. So you're not, we don't have to worry about that up here. <laughs> That's right. You guys got the sellouts here and, and everything's going well for you. So mm-hmm. the Big Ten Definitely. can have UCLA, right? Just kidding. I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna put you on those. I don't need you to get mm-hmm. locker room fodder or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, don't do that. Because <laughs> wait, because gonna be on my neck today if they see the podcast. <laughs> They're like, okay, <laughs> solo you're dead. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we don't we don't want to put you there. So uh let's let's kind of turn a little bit of the focus to this week, right? I mean y- this week, you're going back home. I mean, that, that's got to be emotional just every time you do that. It, but now you're going up against a team that 
they, you know, they lose their head coach. They, you know, they're, they're quite honestly, they're in disarray. Uh, you know, you don't have to say that we're, we'll say that, uh, that they're kind of a mess just with everything that's going on there. Do you feel like, you know, since you grew up in that area that you've kind of stayed close to those programs, do, do, do these games matter more to you or kind of what, what is it like going up into to your home state? Yeah. I mean, it's always good to go home. I mean, when you touch down flying in, you just, you just know every part of it, you know, you know, everywhere, you know, where you're at, you know, you're comfortable cause you've been there. Uh, but looking forward to the game. Yeah. I love playing at home. I mean, I only played at home. So I don't really count Tucson, uh, U of a being home, but I only played at ASU one time in 2018 and, you know, for this to be my last year playing at ASU, it's, it's special to me. And, you know, my family's always going to be there. I got to get a lot of tickets for that. Hopefully teammates bless me on that one. But, you know, looking forward to the game. Um, yeah, and I've seen a lot of comments about the whole situation that's going on. But, I mean, they still got athletes, though. You know, we watched a little bit of film. They they still got athletes, too. And it's either you come you, – you're ready for the game or you're not. And I don't, I don't see them backing down at all. I think they're going to be ready – I think it's going to be because it's a night game at ASU. The fans are passionate. I think it's going to be a good game. We're going to play a good ASU team, no matter who the head coach is. I know they got someone ready. And who knows? Maybe they believe in him a lot more. You know, it's just you never know. It's so much uncertainty. But, you know, we're just going to take it one day at a time, watch film, go to practice, get our reps in, and, you know, take it a day at a time, win every day, and, you know, go into the stadium and try to come out with a win. Do you get, I mean, how, how much outside noise do you guys hear, right? I mean, obviously you've got to stay focused in on your stuff. You've got schooling and other things that way, but do you, do you ever really hear from the outside world or is it more just if you want to? I think it's just if you want to, to be honest, like this year, I, I've rarely been on social media. I mean, I go on there to show support to the team, like my guys, like when they start balling and stuff, like I want to repost them. I want to do this. Like I want to get them out there and, you know, do as much as I can because I got genuine love for them and they deserve it. But other than that, like, like for me, I just really be on TikTok. Like if I'm that bored, I'll just be scrolling or if not, I'm sleeping, school, football, eating, sleeping. You know, I, I really, like I said, before we hopped on the podcast, I haven't been on my computer since fall camp started. You know, and I used to play video games all the time. I haven't touched a video game in months. So it's just one of those things I think if you want to, it's going to be there, but it, it's, it's not your life if you don't make it. Do we have some how secret much free, solo free dances? Time do you guys get? <laughs> how much free time do you guys really get during the season? Like, you know, it's uh, we we hear you know during fall camp you have very very little, but once the season starts and you're you not only having to balance you know a, a hectic football schedule, but also you know academics and class and whatnot. How how does that play into your your daily schedule and how much free time do you actually have in a day? Yeah, I mean. I feel like I get this question a lot. It's just because, yeah, football obviously is very, it's a very, uh, I, I want to know how you would say it, but it takes a, a lot out of you. Like it's a big toll on you. Um, I mean, how they have it scheduled is perfect, but what makes it crazy is, so we have practice. So we'll have lifts, meetings, practice, whether that's morning, afternoon. So we have blocks like in the afternoon before uh, meetings and stuff. And then we'll have uh, like the nighttime, obviously, but it depends on, how you're feeling, if you need treatment, if you need to take care of your homework, like there's times during the week that I'm up till like 12 in the morning finishing up homework and then I got to go to sleep and wake up for a lift or I can sleep in one day and then, you know, get an extra couple hours of sleep in before I go to practice and meetings. So it just, it depends on your schedule with like class load and, you know, how you're feeling. Cause I mean, I'm getting older, I'm only 22, but I feel 
my body's like getting old, you know? So I try to stay on top of that stuff and that takes time out of my day too. Uh, but I think it's just, you know, your workload and everything like that. It's manageable, but sometimes it can get a little bit crazy. Just wait till you get as old as us. Then, then every little, every yeah. little thing, you just wake up and you hurt. <laughs> it's, it's fun. Yeah, we're not even playing contact football. It's, it's just <laughs> yeah. like church basketball too. It's like, oh, my knee, <laughs> my elbow. I get a little sore so from golfing though. Oh yeah. It, it, who, who was the one that influenced you to golf or is it just, that's what you wanted to do. Is it Britain? It you has know, to be Britain, right? No, it's funny because I think it was, what year was it? It was before the 2021 season. I went out to Ohio with my dad just to visit and train out there. And he was like, let's go to the driving range. I'm like, why the hell were we going to the driving <laughs> range? Like, who golfs? Like, what is this? This is a boring like, story. I only touched top, like golf clubs at Top Golf, and I wasn't, I couldn't even hit the ball, you know? And he's like, come on, let's go. I'm like, all right, like something to do. And we went. And I think what attracted me to it was like, I sucked so bad, but I wanted to be good. So I think that drive, like that competitiveness I have, like wanted me to be good at it. And my dad always told me deals always happen on the golf course. So I was like, you need to learn how to play. And I was like, all right. So then I started swinging around a little bit more and I was like, I would just love to just go on a weekend and just enjoy and just play. You know, I think I started getting an itch for it, especially this year. And then, you know, a lot of the good guys at uh, across the green, they started doing the, the, the tournaments and stuff like that. And that was, that was dope. I had a good time with that. And I think from there, I went and got my own golf clubs. Uh, you know, I started investing in it, but just like everything else I'm invested in, it can't take the money away. I'll tell you that it is a money <laughs> dump for sure. Can, so, can but you no, I think it yet. Huh? Can you beat Coach Wit? Coach Wit yet? Uh, uh-uh. no, <laughs> no. I'm still, I got a little bit more practice during this off season. I'm definitely gonna get some some hits, driving range, and all that. I need to, I need to perfect it before I start talking crazy. So, we we'd heard that that uh, Covey was was better than Wit, but neither one of them really wanted to get there because I think, I don't know, nobody wanted to to admit it. What, what's your take? I've never seen Coach Wit golf, but I've seen Covey, and Covey's good. Covey's good. Drew List was good when, obviously, when I saw him when he was here. Uh, Mason on our team, he's good. The linebacker, Mason Dufargo, yeah, he's, I did not know until we went to that tournament, and he's winning, like, the longest drive or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> bro, like, why are you playing football? This you isn't could be, fair. You could be playing golf and make all this money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, no, we have a couple of good guys on the team. Cam Dalton. Uh, Braden's low key good too. I, you, there's a whole list that people would just never suspect because I didn't know until I started talking to him about golf and they were like, no way. And they just started rambling about golf and I don't even know what they're saying. But I'm like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of guys that play that are really good. One of those things where you like talk up, like you know what you're talking about, but you have no clue. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just go along with it because it sounds cool. Yeah. I like dressing up in polos and wearing my Jordan golf shoes <laughs> a good on a beautiful weekend day. Rob and I, one time, we got thrown. I don't know if he'll remember this, but we uh, got thrown into a golf tournament. This this is like with all those salespeople that golf for a living, right? And uh, <laughs> we got put in, and it was one of those tournaments where it's the longest ball goes. And so we would switch off, and, you know, one time I'm good, one time Rob's good. And uh, we get to the end, you know, it's 18 holes and we get there. And I think we were somewhere around bogey golf, and we felt pretty confident with that. Not like we were going to win or anything. Uh, we get up there and we were like drastically outmatched. Like guys were like 20 under par and it was just like, okay, this is ridiculous. 
Well, you said I was happy with sales... Kogi Golf. I, I was too. Yeah, like you're satisfied. <laughs> that's how I would be. But if they're see, that's not, that's the thing about it though. You got guys that like golf, and then they mix golfing with their job, so they're always out there. And they're like, ah, like I only go a couple times, blah, blah, blah. And then you start seeing them swing out there. You're like, you're full of crap. Yeah, exactly. You're a liar. I don't, you, you know I don't what's bad? You. They, they start pulling out the shoes and the glove. I'm like, okay, you know, they, they, you, you guys are taking this a little too seriously. A little fancy get funny. up. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. No, for sure. <laughs> you got to love it, though. I mean, each each person has their own thing. I, I would yeah. love to be a golf guy, right? Like, I would love to just have that my day, but... That just doesn't happen when I have, I have three kids and that just doesn't, that doesn't work. <laughs> no, definitely. I feel that it's my schedule too. I, I wish I could get around in, but nope. I got to make sure I'm sleeping uh, and stuff like that. What, what course are you playing at right now? So honestly, I couldn't even tell you. I've really only done the, uh, the one in Bountiful. And then I did the one, I did the tournament ones. I don't know where, I think Eaglewood was one of them. Mm-hmm. And then the one in Bountiful, I haven't been in a minute. So I know like Vele used to go all the time, but he doesn't even go anymore. But I know Makai Bernard still gets a couple rounds in, but I'm not sure where they go at. So, yeah. That's got to be a nice way to kind of decompress from football, though, if you do get the moment. No, definitely. Yeah. I don't know. what What's the best courses out here, do you think? I, I've loved uh, Battleful Ridge. That's that's a, a pretty nice one. Uh one of like my Will, Willow, Willow Creek has like the uh, not like the main PGA tour, but like mm-hmm. a sub sub circuit come through once a year. They do like the, the Utah championship that's usually played out there. Oh, okay. Good things about it. I've always wanted nice. to go to Oak Ridge. That's out in Farmington. That's a country yeah. club. But uh, my, my cousin used to work there and she was she was going to get me in, but she didn't like to golf. And so I was like, come on, man, like, let me in. Like, let me try. Like, when am I going to yeah, get a country club? On. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, definitely. Now I'm mad. That's, see, that's just knowing that's knowing people and them putting you in the position. Yeah, you got. See, I'm I'm terrible that way. Like not getting enough connections, and I can't even get my own cousin to help hook me up. So I mean, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So so you so you've been here since 2018. Have have you been up on the slopes? I mean, Kyle Whittingham's up there shredding up at Snowbird. Have you been up skiing, snowboarding? Absolutely not. <laughs> You're not going to go in the cold up there, huh? No, I would love to, but I mean, I think Coach Wick got a guaranteed contract. I'm still trying to get things going, you know. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to jeopardize that. So there's lots of torn ACLs or all sorts of other injuries uh, yeah. that happen up there. But uh, what would he do if you came to that? If you're skiing pretty slave. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, what would he do if you had to, like, do you feel like it would be worse telling your parents that you did something wrong or telling Coach Witt that, oh, I just injured, you know, my knee or something like that? Oh, well, my parents can legally beat me. <laughs> so I don't know. That'd be, that's a tough call. But I mean, I'd love to. My girlfriend snowboards, uh, my friends snowboard. Like, I, I've always wanted to go, but it's like, uh, I can I can wait a little bit. You know, and when I'm more, when I figure out what's what my future is looking like, you know. But yeah, no, I would love to. I mean, kudos to Coach Whiff for doing that because I'm waiting. <laughs> what about y'all? Do y'all do y'all do that at all? Or I, I, I used... love it. I love it. It's a it's a blast to go up there. But it's one of those things like it's like golf where the uh, the equipment and everything to keep going gets uh, more expensive every year. Um, really? Well, I mean, if you're if you're a local, then it's nice because you just get the season pass, and it seems to uh, to balance out the price a little bit. But if you're just to get like a single day ticket, 
I think you're looking like upwards of 110 to like 140. So per day, uh, per day. Yeah. So, mm. and, and when you think about skiing, if you ski hard, you're only skiing from nine to noon. So that's like three hours. That's when I was there. I was just about to ask that. Cause you're not going to really be there all day. Like, cause no. I see you burn calories doing skiing. You, you, that's a real workout. Like people sleep on that. Like I remember, uh, Max Cotton, I used to play for us. He, I forgot, like he was burning like thousands of calories going skiing one morning. Like it's insane. You are you a skier or do you snowboard? I ski, yeah. Oh yeah, so you so, know what you're doing. Yeah, well, I try. <laughs> I'm not very good. I'm not very good, but it is it is a blast to go up there. Uh, I'm awesome. I'm no coach wit up there on the slopes though, by no stretch. That's awesome though. And I'm the opposite. Yeah. I used to snowboard. So yeah. like snowboarding was fun to me. I I did that all through high school. They had they Utah used to have this uh, really great thing in high school where if you were like on on a roll or something, whatever it was, they'd give you like a hundred dollar pass up to the canyons in Park City. So you'd get a season pass for like a hundred bucks, and so it was like an incentive for kids to get good grades and everything. So uh, yeah, see that's that's cool. They should keep they should, if they kept doing that, that'd be dope. I I, I like that. You just go back to school for that. They have they have some really awesome. Uh, the school programs. I think if you're like fifth graders get a ski for free and that kind of gets you into the sport. Interesting. Where, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's at such a young age, you have to buy like new gear every year, unless you have multiple kids, you can hand it down through the years. Uh, they're getting their future get really revenue. Expensive. They're getting their yeah, future right. revenue started right away. Lock, get you hooked. Them in early. <laughs> I love it. Now. So Josh used that means you was getting straight A's and in, in school then, huh? I don't know about that. I mean, I was, I was a good student. I mean, <laughs> I, I hated high school because I hate busy work. And so for me, it was like, look, I'll do the homework if it's going to mean something to me. But busy work, I, I don't tolerate. I didn't like that in college either. I hated professors that, that would just give you busy work to get graded. It's like, look, just let me actually do something that, that helps. So, no, I was good enough. I think I finished with like a 385 or something like that. Nothing. My wife was like the, the better one. She was like trying to be the valedictorian, stuff like that. And I, that was never mm-hmm. me. I, I didn't have that desire. Oh, nothing crazy. Almost a 4.0. <laughs> Nothing crazy. You know, Come on, man, no. you could flex that. Nobody has that. You could flex that. Come on. Next time I see, I'm going to flex my uh, grades. That's going to really work, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Bring your diploma and all. Oh, man. And, and, and then I became awesome. a journalist and did nothing with it. So here we are. Josh was actually getting ready to go to law school. And <laughs> That's true. I was. We actually t- we, we, we twisted his arm and convinced him to come uh, join the sports staff at KSL. And, you know, the rest is history. So my life is better for a, it. <laughs> traded in the, the law degree for, for awesome sports experiences, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what I'd do if I was a lawyer. I, I feel like it'd be really boring just reading contracts all day. This, this is better. Yeah. I mean, like, you, you can't really argue getting paid to, to watch sports. I see. No. I I can sit on my couch or sit up in the press box and watch you guys work hard, and I can just get <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> see, that's the thing too that you could do that, but you're still you're still out and about. You're meeting people. You're looking to do new things. It's not like you're bound to like an alley of work. Like you can you can branch off and tap into so many different things. You know, so it won't ever. I feel like it won't ever get sta- uh, stagnant. No, for sure. You can you can tell me if, if I'm wrong, but. You know, I think that's awesome. You can come join us after this. Once once your playing career is done, you can come join us and, and join us in the press box and, and, and just watch the sport. 
I'd be like RG. You see RG three when he was comments uh, <laughs> when he's doing the commenter or whatever for uh, BYU and Baylor. I have no idea what was going on. He his obsession with the moon and cougar tails and everything. I was, yeah, I have no <laughs> that's idea. I, that's how I'm going to be if I, if you tell me to come down to the show and if I'm in the press box announcing the game. That's I'm gonna be just like him. Are you gonna be racing hawks and everything like that? Did you see that? I'm, uh-uh. He he raced a legit hawk. Like they released a hawk and they did like a forty yard dash, and they just tried to see who was faster. I think RG three won too and everything. See what is the point of that? You gonna race a bird for what? <laughs> RG three does what he wants, man. Like, <laughs> like I mean, if you paying me, I'll try to race it. But like, that's a liability if that hawk try to get you or something. Like. What is, is that like a Guinness? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. See, people look, I ain't judging people. People do stuff, do what they want, but you ain't gonna have me running full speed against a hot just for the hell of it. <laughs> it could be Heck fun. No, <laughs> no. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding. It, the best part is, is he was like in his full suit and everything like that, trying to run it. Like, okay, I mean, he still got it, see, right? But whatever. Yeah, good for him. I think he's just showing he can still do it in a suit. Good for him. Kudos to him. No, no bagging on this side. All love. I, I can't wait for the the solo uh, booth experience. You can go join Bill Riley up in the booth and and be his play by play guy. Oh gosh, I think Bill would probably kick me or something if I started talking crazy. <laughs> in, in, in all seriousness, though, like, what are your plans? You know, after you know, not, not after college, and then after you know. Um, potentially any, you know, NFL, what's your kind of career goal? You know, I'm still figuring that out and I'm okay with it. I think graduated business admin degree in December and I'm working on my master's in finance right now. So if that time, when that time comes, I'll find something, you know, that I enjoy doing. I'm not sure yet. Um, I'm a big numbers guy. So maybe something with that, but, and that, that was the biggest thing, especially with this NIL stuff coming out instead of making money, I always wanted, like, I want to start branching out and making more connections, you know, like I want it to be more than just here, post me and here's this amount of money. You know, I really want to start meeting more people, more business owners and really start just learning and, you know, having that stuff in my back pocket so I can figure out what I want to do after kind of like an internship, but kind of not just kind of getting a feel for it, but I'm not in a rush and I know the right, the right opportunity will come and, you know, I'm just going to take it day by day. Didn't, didn't you start try to do something like that with the what is it the Lasonde uh, Institute or whatever it's called? Try to give you guys more connections or it, does that not really? H- how does that work? Do, does it work? I guess I'm not sure. I know the Son Studios is like where it's like another form of like uh, I guess dorms for like business people or like entrepreneurs. Like they have stuff where you can. I mean, if you're sleeping in the middle of the night, wake up, you're like, oh, I want to build something. You go downstairs and build it. Mm something like that i think it's more just like more not inclusive but like it's involvement into like what you're doing i never stayed there so like i think that's just like i mean if you live and breathe being a inventor or inventing stuff i think that's the place for you but yeah i'm not sure i think maybe well, within the business school yeah they give you opportunities to meet people for sure um and like they'll do like uh like social events or like you'll go listen to someone speak yada 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 you know um, so try to get those when it's, you know, a good op, like when it fits my schedule, but yeah, Utah is always trying to branch out. And I think that's why it's a lot of people, when they graduate from Utah, they are always getting these jobs here and stuff like that, because they have those good pipelines straight from the university, you know? 
Would you stay in Utah if you had the opportunity? Or would you go more home? Uh, I was. I me and my girl talk about this all the time, and I would have no problem staying here just because you know I love. You know, I've been here four years already. I feel like I'm a resident at this point. But when everyone asks, it's like I love the weather. I love the outdoors. And Moab is only three hours away. <laughs> That's right. And, and I always drive home. So, yeah, I mean, it's close to home and not too far. But, yeah, I mean, when that time comes, we'll figure it out. But, I, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem living here. Are you off-roading in Moab, mountain biking? Are you hiking? What What's the uh, the scene for solo in Moab? Off-roading and hiking. So I just got a new, I got a new Jeep. I got a Rubicon about a month july i'll say july because i'm not even going to count months but we went earlier i think it was may i mean it was it was a good time we went hiking and did a couple trails and stuff like that but you know it sucks because season is like in the fall and that's when it's like prime time weather down there because it's i mean it still gets hot during the summer but you know probably planning a trip for the bye week or something like that but depending on how that goes but yeah I, i i can't wait to get back down there do you for, for the bye week do you guys get the whole week off do you have like film review at the, to start the week and then you kind of go your own way like how does that uh play in oh, your schedule no we are always working <laughs> yeah if anyone has to question what the youths are doing no we are always working you know i think that's <laughs> that's just the mantra we're always doing something yeah we won't no we won't ever get the week off we're always doing something to stay you know proactive and trying to get ahead and you know there's so much to learn and improve upon no one knows the game 100 percent. so i think that's why the coaches are always like 100 like 100 about that like now nah, we take that week everyone gets healthy and we use that week to get better so we're so always working man this week will be uh, the bye is coming up after the big usc matchup so october what is that 22nd is the bye week mm-hmm. um so potentially how the, the things shake out for USC and also for you guys, potentially a, a big primetime, I, I don't want to say college game day, but I'll say college game day matchup, you know, that could be coming to Salt Lake. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I think everyone kind of knew that just from the beginning of the season, just because of what's going on down there, what hype we had coming into the season. And I mean, how the, how the stadium and how electric the fans are, especially for games like that, like, I mean, USC, ASU, you know, there's always those games that everyone wants to come out and watch. And, you know, if it's going to be that primetime game, you know that those stands are going to be filled and going to be such a great atmosphere. And, you know, everybody's going to be there. So I think people already knew when the schedule came out, say, like, oh, USC's coming to Utah. We're going to be there. I think that's cool. I think it's fun. Yeah, a lot. I think a lot of people kind of knew that USC's always had talent. It's always just been the coach. But has there been a surprise outside of USC in the Pac-12 that kind of has caught your eye? I mean, you have Washington that beat a a Michigan State team. You've got Washington State that's still undefeated and that beat a a Wisconsin team on the road. You have Oregon State that seems to be kind of turning some heads. Like, what's your kind of take on the Pac-12 this year? And is there any surprises that have kind of caught you off guard? The Pac-12 is... I feel like it's un- people make are like underrated. Like the, I think it's so competitive. Like everyone's always beating each other, like the way the schedules have been set up and stuff like that. But, you know, I think there is good teams like kudos to Washington for winning. And then I was watching uh, Washington state beat Wisconsin. That was a great game to watch. Uh, 
you know, I think there's just so much competition there's, and there's good teams in the Pac-12. I just think people is like, uh, it's Pac-12, like whatever, whatever. But like, if you really watch a game, like there's, they got good players on these teams. So. I think it'll be fun to to watch. I, I'm excited to see how you guys do in conference play and, and kind of uh, see how this year is a little different. I know, you know, that first game, like you said, was not as 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 ideal as what you guys were wanting, but it seems like the offense is picking up and everything's going well. But we appreciate your time, man. I, you know, we'll do this. We'll do this each week. We're excited to have you on and, and kind of work with this. We want to make sure that uh, you know we're not taking all your time since your time is limited. But uh, we're excited to kind of get more insight in there. So uh, you know, go check out Solo. He's he's going to do some things on the field this year, right? <laughs> Yeah, game by game, play by play, day by day. No, I appreciate y'all having me. And, you know, it's great to talk to y'all. Rob, it's nice meeting you. Uh, no, I had a great time this afternoon. I appreciate y'all having me. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah. Hey, good luck on Saturday. Appreciate it. Well, that was fun. It was it was great to be able well, to have that, him that, on. That's a great interview. I think, I, I've, uh, I think, I think I've talked to him. Uh, I think I came up to uh, a press conference one of, one of the times that you're uh, – intern fell through uh, and you had me come cover a game or two uh, over the last couple of years, but he, he is just a tremendous interview. Um, this guy that's been around the program for, um, I mean, since 2018. So he's gone through multiple quarterbacks, you know, the, the Tyler Huntley, the Jason Shelley, the Drew Lisk, the Charlie Brewer, the Jake Bentley kind of seen it all. And it's nice to see him finally get his due last Saturday against San Diego state. But I mean, for Utah, I mean, they, they come, they, they take care of business. They win pretty convincingly. Yeah, they gave up the late touchdown. But, you know, if you don't fumble the, the punt return, I mean, your, your defense pitches a shutout. Um, your first team defense obviously pitches a shutout, but your second team defense probably does as well. But you only move up one spot in the rankings. Like, uh, you, you get jumped by Tennessee. Like, so let's kind of recap the, the AP poll because um, those re- results came out yesterday. You're a part of that. You have Utah in your top ten. Some of the voters didn't even have Utah in their top 25. Well, I, mean, how, how, I mean, what can Utah do to kind of improve their their recognition and their perception nationally? I, I think a lot of it has to do with who they're playing right now, right? And it didn't help that, you know, you lose to Florida, who is not looking so great right now. They barely squeak out a win against South Florida and quite honestly probably should have lost. Um, and so I think it's 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 a situation where kickers, kickers, man. Oh my gosh, What's kickers! With kickers? I, I love it though. I think it's hilarious that you know that's how it is, and 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 a lot of teams will try to play towards a kick, and I, I don't know, but but I but I think you know I I think it'll all work itself out. I, I think it's one of those things where Utah has to show that it can continue to win, you know, and and not have these slow starts. I don't think people really care. They're not watching Utah, especially against San Diego State, and and seeing a slow start. They're seeing a final score. Uh, so I, I, I think it's, you know, once once they start getting into this Pac-12 play, once you get Arizona State, which is, you know, a down team that doesn't mean they can't win. Um, but once you start getting these wins where you, now you're going to Oregon State and uh, not going to, but you're going to play Oregon State, these teams that have done well, I think that's going to help them more than anything. Uh, it, it, it's a combination of just not really having anything on your resume at this point, right? Like you look at Tennessee or you look at uh, these other teams around them, they've played somebody that matters a little bit more. And the one game that Utah has played that did matter, they lost by three. And that one team that they lost to is not doing very well and, and probably is back to where a lot of people expected them to be at the, you know, the preseason. They may even drop out of the top 25 at one point. So 
I, I think that's kind of hurting Utah's uh, perception. Uh, it, it also is one of those things where you have Oregon and Washington and all these other teams that are, are getting these marquee games, right? Utah's still the second best team in the conference, according to the rankings. Um, USC's number seven, and I think it's deservedly so, uh, at least this point in the, you know, the, the, the season. But I think that's kind of where Utah's at. They're still good enough. They're, they're clearly the top two and one team in the country, um, at least according to the rankings. But I think you're, you're seeing things that are kind of out of their control and in their control as well. I think things will start picking up a little bit more. I, I think as the season progresses, that Florida game will decouple itself from Utah and it'll start to distance itself. Unless, you know, yeah, I mean, unless Florida can do well. Um, but uh, yeah, they, they seem to have some issues in the throw game. Uh, they've played three games and Anthony Richardson has yet to throw a touchdown pass. Make him a quarterback and he's not good, man. So, I mean, but I mean, had you, had you known that, that, uh, I mean, Utah kind of showed that and the, the other teams that they've played have kind of had that film to go on. Had Utah played Florida in week three, you would guarantee that that's the game plan that coach Witt and coach Scally would have came up with. They had, they had no idea what to expect. So, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. You can't uh, dwell on it too much. You can just go forward. And and as it stands right now, you have four teams uh, from the Pac-12 in the top 25. You have USC topping at seven, Utah at 13. Uh, but then you have Oregon at 15, who had a big win, a dominant win over uh, a solid BYU team who everybody was kind of turning their heads after they beat Baylor. Everyone was kind of saying, hey, like here's your potentially your new dark horse playoff candidate. They got humbled in Eugene, 41 to 20. They fall down. But uh, Washington also moves up with their win over uh, Michigan State at home. And, you know, you look at that, those, especially those four Pacific Northwest teams, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, they're really playing some good football. And we have on our pick'em schedule this week, USC on the road in Corvallis to take on uh, an Oregon State team that's that beat, beat, beat Boise at home. Uh, that's kind of their marquee win so far this season. Um, so we'll see how good Oregon state is, um, uh, you know, this, this upcoming week with, uh, USC coming to town. It's interesting that that game is on the PAC 12 network. I thought that, uh, another TV network would want to pick that one up, but, uh, it I is what it is. I think that's more the obligations that the Pac-12 has to have with with teams. USC, I think they looked at this and said, look, we want USC later in the season, um, especially if USC is going to be a top 10 team, right? If they're going to be a top 10 team, ESPN, Fox, you know, those two networks are going to want them in, in more primetime games. And you, in some respects, you do have to feel bad for Oregon State. Jonathan Smith has been building a phenomenal program up there. Anybody that's paid close attention has seen the rise in that program uh, you know, I think a lot of people looked at Utah losing to Oregon State last year as kind of this this uh, dummy game, right? Where it was like, oh, how did you lose to them? Uh, but I think they're a, they're a solid team. You know, they they lose the bowl game to Utah State, but they're still a solid team. And I think it's it's one of those scenarios where those Northwest schools are now back to kind of where they used to be, right? Washington State was always kind of the the dog in a lot of respects, um, but you're seeing four teams that are now eleven and one through the first three games of the season. That bodes really well for the Pac-12 uh, to be able to have these competitive teams. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out as, as a, you know, the quality of competition gets better. But I think 
especially that Washington win and the Oregon win, that really helps the conference in, in their perception, right? Oregon took a beating to Georgia, and, and I think that didn't help the conference you know, perception. Utah loses by three points to SEC you know, in the Florida, uh, but, but I think that one wasn't going to do it. But couple that with Oregon's loss to, or, uh, to Georgia, and it just completely derailed the conference for that week. Now you're starting well, to see I, it get built I, up. I, 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 to, to add on, I don't think it was the loss to Georgia. I think it was the way they lost to Georgia. Sure, they didn't even show a, up. You know, a four, four, 49 to three, just complete shellacking. But you I mean you look at Georgia? Are they just that much better than everybody else? Because they've they've given up ten points in three games. That's impressive. I don't care if you're playing Southern Utah and San Diego State or or whatnot. Ten points in three games? You're kidding me. Well, and, I mean, and, and these have been dominant games where sure. their second and third string have had ample opportunity to play. And, and, and I'm curious to see how much more tested they'll get, right? Like South Carolina is a good SEC team, but they're not the best. Oregon. Hey, get off the field. Get off the field. <laughs> <laughs> or Oregon is a, you know, it, I, I think it's, it's hard. You watch that game and, and Oregon didn't look anything like they have the last two weeks, right? I, I think there was a lot going on there. You know, you have Dan Lanning, who's coming back home essentially to the team that he just won a national championship with. And it's hard in that environment. You're in an environment where it's a neutral setting, but in reality, it was not at all. And so like, I look, I, I admittedly, I was one that completely, you know, stopped believing in Oregon after that first week. I thought it was over. I've never really had a, a strong love for Bo Nix because most of the time Bo Nix is not a great quarterback. But we're starting to see him work well under this Oregon system. And and they did a phenomenal job against BYU. They made BYU look really, I don't want to say average, right? Because I don't think BYU is average. I think, you know, they're missing some key players. But at the same time, they just weren't able to do well. They, they you know, got beat in the run, in the run game and, and just really didn't have a lot of success that way. But you're finally seeing a team that's a little bit more cohesive. They're coming together. They, they're playing with a little bit of a rhythm, and it snowballed from there, right? I think that week two game against an FCS opponent really changed Oregon's trajectory in, in the sense of how they viewed themselves, right? Nobody was giving them any hopes to be able to beat Georgia, and I think in some ways that kind of was in their own heads, right? We're not going to beat the national champions, even if they are you know, replacing, what, 15 players on, on their team, but now you're starting to see, okay, like we've got some momentum. So I think that bodes well for the conference. Uh, you know, that Washington win more than anything. I think Michael Penix Jr. coming from Indiana was, yeah, Indiana. Uh, I think that was probably the most stunning result of the weekend, just to be able to see how dominant he was. I mean, he diced up Michigan State like, like he'd been doing this for years. And, and in some respects he has, but not to that level, right? I think it was just... Uh, a great, great showing from him and, and Washington, which always had talent that just didn't have a great head coach at the time. Uh, the other game, games that went in the, um, at least in the Pac-12, you had USC defeating Fresno State. Uh, Notre Dame uh, got uh, lucky. Al called for <laughs> a uh, a phantom offside. You can check out John Wilner's Twitter Twitter feed to kind of see the screenshots. There was a missed field goal in that game that uh, Cal was allegedly called offside for, uh, led to a Notre Dame touchdown and kind of changed the uh, the momentum in that game. But it uh, was not Pac-12 Cal refs, though. Let that be the record. I'm 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 the first to bag on the Pac-12 refs, but that was not a Pac-12 problem. That was an ACC officiating crew. Yes. So, um, uh, unfortunate result for Cal, but they they still played pretty well. Um, so from a national perspective, kind of, it was a very good week, I would say, for for the Pac-12. And I think that it all starts with that uh, Oregon win over BYU. Oregon kind of had snuck back into the rankings at 25. 
BYU was sitting at 12. And like, like we were saying, they were kind of the dark horse candidate there. Everybody was looking at their schedule uh, at the beginning of the season saying, Oh yeah, eight wins is your max. And now everybody was saying, Hey, you guys potentially could go undefeated. They get a, a slice of humble pie. And um, it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because you feel like, you know, had, you're, you know, the first string been in there, maybe it's a different outcome, but that's kind of the reality of college football is not every team is going to have their ones the entire season. Like very rarely, um, I, I would say never has that ever happened in the history of college football. Football is a violent sport and people are going to get hurt and you're going to have to rely on your depth. And uh, for whatever reason, BYU couldn't get the production in the ground game. Oregon had a magnificent game plan. They were getting like 13 yards of carry on the ground. And, you know, uh, Bo Nix was able to move the ball with his legs as well as through the air. So uh, that was the the highlight win over the weekend. But let's let's bring it back in for, for Utah. Utah starts slow. They, they have their, their first quarter slump. And this is the third game in a row that we've kind of seen the offense struggle to get into rhythm. Uh, finally, you know, midway through the second quarter, Enos catches that uh, – the, the out route from Cam breaks a tackle, takes it for 15 yards, and then the momentum shifted. What What's kind of the remedy for this Utah offense going forward? Because it's one thing to do it against San Diego State and Southern Utah. It's another thing to do it against, you know, a team that has athletes and, you know, potentially an Arizona State and Oregon State. You don't want to fall behind 7, 14, nothing uh, in these conference games. What can they do going forward to kind of prevent that little first quarter slump? Yeah, I think, you know, the first three games, there's always been something different in that first quarter, right? Nothing has been exactly the same. Teams are are coming at them a little different. Um, and, and quite honestly, I think Andy Ludwig has his script and he's sticking to that in that first quarter. And, you know, when it doesn't work, they're not necessarily going to go away from that early in the game. Um, so I think for me, it's it's not necessarily concerning so far, but that's mostly because teams haven't been able to score on Utah obviously had like a, a fluke 28 yard, you know, rushing touchdown from San or uh, Southern Utah that, that kind of changed things a little bit, but ultimately like there, there's never really been a, a worry. And so it's, it's one of those things where, yes, like it is a concern. I think, you know, you have to watch that and say like, if Utah can't start early, there's a, a, a high probability, especially when you get up to maybe the USC level where they can just score at, at a moment's notice, you're, you're down 21 zip. You know, and then what do you do? Now you've got to fight back and, and and really work hard. And sure, the second quarter has been a phenomenal for the Utes. I, you know, I, 38 points against Southern Utah and then 21 points against San Diego State. That's a great quarter for them. And, and so I think that goes to, you know, Andy Ludwig kind of changing and, and, and evolving throughout the game, which I think is a better situation, right? I, I would much rather an offensive coordinator evolve throughout the game and, and figure it out that way than, than be stubborn. So I, I think there's, there's you know, things at play here where it's okay, but for them, I think they have to figure out, you know, okay, maybe we become a little bit more, I don't want to even call it vanilla or generic, but maybe you try things that that uh, are, are going to open up your offense a little bit better uh, and, and then kind of slowly develop into the game. But, uh, you know, some of that I think is is by design, not necessarily a slow start or, you know, cam rising, missing reads or or receivers dropping passes or being blocked or, you know, whatever that may be. I think it's more just Utah is is trying to fill itself out and then that game goes. So I don't know if this is necessarily going to change throughout the season. Uh, I, I think it's more just, you know, trying to put an emphasis on trying to start faster. 
I don't know. What What are your takeaways on that? So Cam Rising, Utah's quarterback, starts the game four of 13. He finishes 18 of 30, which means he only had three incomplete passes the rest of the game. That, to me, says that once Utah can get into rhythm, they're a dangerous team. And we saw kind of that next level uh, evolve for Utah where they finally were able to get the wide receivers uh, in in the game. And, and we go back to Solomon Nunez's touchdown. That wasn't his first read. That wasn't Cam's first read. He was mm-hmm. actually looking off towards Kincaid, towards the uh, the right sideline. He goes through his progression, comes across the middle. Enos did his job to break open the route, wide open over the middle, and Cam threw the easy touchdown. So to me, getting these receivers involved more will hopefully open things up for the rest of the, the, the team, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see defenses have to take into account and they can't stack nine guys into the box. Like, uh, you know, like a 2011 Utah offense with John <laughs> Hayes under center and uh, it's John White for Utah. <laughs> the Wolfman. Yeah. And, and it still worked. That's the crazy thing. So it'll be uh, a fun, exciting offense. And Utah was able to break off those chunk plays. We saw Jalen Dixon get involved with a, a screen pass to start the game. And then he had an end around run. I anticipate that he'll be, uh, involved in the offense going forward as well. So Utah's got, you know, three really good, solid wide receivers, um, as well as some additional depth that they're bringing up with Money Parks, Micaiah Cope. So I think that, uh, you know, Utah, um, if you're concerned about the, the the passing game, just know that no Utah quarterback has thrown for four touchdown passes since, oh, goodness. And you want to give me a guess? I I couldn't even. I mean, Travis Wilson, I think, did – one season. I'm. I can't even. Four, pour, I know he, he only had one 300 yard game. Oh, are you, okay. You're talking yards, or you're talking uh, I'm touchdowns. Talking four touchdown passes in a, a through the air. Mm, that's a good question. Is it Brian Johnson the last one? Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I have no idea. We have to look <laughs> it up. I, I want to say potentially Jordan Wynn would be. Um, Jordan Wynn would have to. Could, that Iowa State game, maybe. Could, could, could potentially could have been there. Um, yeah, I mean, but you're going back over 12 years. Um, that, that seems so he funny only had to me. Touchdowns in that game. I mean, it, it, it so doesn't that, because of how, how dominant Utah's been in the run game, but like it still seems funny to me that four passing touchdowns is this benchmark that that seems it, it seems uh, you know, reachable, but it also it clearly hasn't been for, for a Utah quarterback. Well, you know, and they do put such a big emphasis on the on the uh, the run game, which you know, if you're doing it well, like you know. Like, like, like uh, Solomon mentioned earlier, like if you're doing it well, like don't, don't fix it if it's not broken. And I, and I get that. So that's kind of been Utah's bread and butter. It takes the, the onus off of the defense having to like some of these fast tempo offenses that they're, they're great. Right. But you're just putting more pressure on your defense. So you have to stay on the field longer. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like this. You want to be able to score at will, but you don't want to you don't want to score too quickly because then you're just going to get your defense gassed. So that's uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, yeah, I'll, I'll look that up for the next podcast. Like when was the last time that happened? I looked up in the uh, the 2010 season. Terrence Keen uh, threw for three touchdowns against New Mexico on the road. So that's the the highest I can find real quickly. But I'll, I'll find it out in our next uh, podcast, and uh, we can you know. I, I'm curious that how far back I have to go to find four touchdown passes, <laughs> but it, it was Cam Rising's career high, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't happen a lot at Utah. So going forward, I think that Utah's offense will be in good position um, to kind of hit the ground running. We'll see how they do on the road. 
uh, this upcoming Saturday against uh, uh, who knows who's going to be coaching uh, Arizona State. Have they announced the interim? Yeah, it'll be uh, the running back coach. I'm blanking on his name right now, but it's uh, okay. yeah, it'll be him. So, but I, so, I, I uh, yeah. You know, We'll see. We'll see. Uh, defensively, Utah, you kind of know what you're going to expect. We saw Clark Phillips get injured. Um, not sure the severity. They didn't mention that it was a season-ending injury, so we at least know it wasn't um, anything huge. And Kyle um, said that he ex- – it's not that he expects him, but he, they're hopeful that he and Mo Diabate – will be available to, to, to my viewing eyes. You know, we watched him go into the tent and, and he was in there for a good 10 minutes or so. Um, he came out, he still had his pads on and everything. And he, he stood on the sidelines with his helmet on. So uh, to, to my knowledge, there's nothing that necessarily is, is severe. It would be just more like precautionary, right? Like to me, it's like, do you want to, to risk further injury if he, he does something more, which is why you probably didn't see him play. But I, I would have to imagine that, uh, you know, they're going to take it very careful with him. Arizona State, obviously, it's a team that can beat Utah, and we'll, we'll talk about them more later this week. Uh, but at the same time, I think they're going to be cautious with that. You know, they've got guys that can fill in for, for him. Uh, you know, if, if, if it's one of those things that he needs a week off just to heal fully, I think they're going to do it. And I, I think they'd be smart too, right? You need him deeper in the season. You need him against a USC that's going to be obviously a tall task. Uh, so I, you know, I wouldn't worry about it too much. They've got some good depth there. This isn't like last year's end of the season where the cornerback room basically had Makai Bernard moving over. So, uh, you know, I think, I think they'll be okay. And, and so far er, everything works out. Yeah, we'll see. So, uh, Utah, Arizona state, eight 30 is eight 30 or eight. Uh, I think it's eight 30 on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Let me just make sure. Yeah. Eight 30 on the road in uh, Phoenix at uh, so on ESPN. So we'll uh, give you our preview of that game coming up in our uh, podcast this week. But uh, in the meantime, make sure you go to KSL.com, go to the sports section and click on create a top 25, put in your ballots for the new top 25 for week four, as well as put in your picks for uh, KSL's college football pick'em contest. You can win some gift cards from Golden West Credit Union. Right now, we have for this upcoming week, we've got the uh, obviously the local games. We have uh, Utah State versus UNLV, BYU versus Wyoming, Utah, Arizona State. And as far as the national games, we have USC at Oregon State, which should be a good one. And number 17, Baylor at Iowa State. It'll be fun. It'll be, it's always and a great weekend, be- right? Like, it's, it's hard to not have a great weekend of college football, but. Uh, we appreciate you listening especially, to us. So. Especially when you lead the group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, no, we, we appreciate you listening to us. Remember to go uh, review us on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, share it with your friends. Let them know. Uh, if not for just uh, listening to Solomon Inez give his breakdowns of the game, uh, that's a good reason to, to come listen to us. So once again, thanks for listening to the Utah Checkdown Podcast, and we will talk to you later.